body fat in and of itself is not the cause of negative health outcomes. Welcome to Shoulders Down, a podcast about intuitive eating and living. I'm your host, Leah Kern, and I'm an anti-diet dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. In this podcast, you will learn to harness your body's innate wisdom to govern not just how you eat, but also how you live. It is my mission to help you heal your relationship with food and body so you can live your most aligned and fulfilling life. Welcome, and I'm so glad that you're here. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Shoulders Down. Today is going to be a solo episode, so strap in to chat over the next, I don't know, 40 minutes maybe? It's it's the beginning of the episode, so I don't know how long it's going to be. I kind of just go with the flow and see what comes through. Um, if you're new here, which you might be because our last episode, which was about uh, my, dear friend's, my dear friend Jamie, her lived experience with Ozempic, that episode reached a very wide audience. I could see from the back end from the stats. So if you're new here and you're just tuning in because you found us through that episode, I want to say welcome. Shoulder Sound Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast. We release episodes typically every other Tuesday, except um, this July I'm going on a hiking trip. So we will not have an episode until the end of the month. So this episode's coming out July 4th, and then we won't have another episode till the end of July. So there's that exception there. And yeah, I feel like I should update you. If you've been following along for several years, you know that I usually take a yearly hiking trip. Uh, Last year, some friends and I did the New Hampshire section of the Appalachian Trail. Um, I did an episode with them after the hike and we spoke about body image on the trail, which is a really juicy episode. You can scroll back to like end of July, 2022, if you want to listen to that one. And a few years prior, I did um, the Vermont Long Trail, which is a hiking trail that goes from the Vermont, Massachusetts border to the Vermont, Canada border. And that was like a month long trip. So this has been kind of becoming a yearly tradition. This year, we're doing a much more low key situation. We're going to Big Sur. So I moved to California on the West Coast and a friend is flying from the East Coast and my friend on the West Coast um, so is already here. So the three of us are going to be embarking on this journey. It's going to be a much shorter situation, more like a week, because that's what made sense this year. But hopefully next year, getting back to doing sections of the AT. I've been really, I just like love following people who are hiking the AT like on YouTube and Instagram and stuff. I don't know, there's something about through hiking that I just like feel so drawn to. So stay tuned. Perhaps one day I'll do the whole thing. The whole Appalachian Trail goes from Georgia to Maine, which I don't know. In theory, it sounds like so exciting, but I can I can imagine like I'd be out there and be like, oh my God, Leah, what did you, <laughs> what did you sign up to do? Yeah, that's a quick life update. So today's episode is inspired by a post that I made on Instagram several weeks ago that got a lot of traction and people had a lot of questions and people were really interested to hear more on this topic. So that is why I'm giving you more on this topic in the format of this podcast episode. So the topic for today is 
going to be really exploring the issues with weight research. And so the inspiration, like I said, comes from this post I made a few weeks ago with the the title of the post was, if weight is not an indicator of health, how do you explain all of the research indicating that being fat leads to negative health outcomes? This is the exact question that we're going to be diving deeply on in today's episode. Before we dive into the episode, I just want to give my standard disclaimer, which is that all content in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. The information and education provided is not intended or implied to supplement or replace professional medical treatment, advice, and or diagnoses. On top of that, I always just like to add, I'm only one person with one lived experience, so I encourage you to seek out insights from folks with other lived experiences, as well as consulting your own inner wisdom. With that, we're going to dive right into today's topic. So let's talk about weight research. Now, a question I often get from clients or from anyone interested in you know, learning more about intuitive eating is like, okay, I want to get on board with this concept of health at every size, this concept that weight is not an indicator of health, but I, I, you know, I can't ignore that there's all of this research that, you know, quote unquote, shows that being in a larger body or being fat leads to negative health outcomes. And just a little kind of asterisk right now, when I say fat throughout this episode, I use the word in a reclaimed way, which means I use it in an objective sense of the word as I use it as a neutral descriptor of larger bodies without any associated morality attached. I also want to say that I recognize that I hold thin privilege, which is an unearned privilege that's primarily a product of genetics. And I'm a passionate about using this privilege to educate folks on the immense harms of weight stigma. So today we're really going to be diving into what's going on with all of this quote unquote weight research that is painting the picture that is showing that being in a larger body is negative for your health. The first thing to know is that weight research, as I said, paints the picture that correlation equals causation. So despite the fact that asserting correlation equals causation is not the basis for good science, this is what's so often going on if you really look at the weight research that we have. Weight research findings are commonly claiming something along the lines of, you know, saying something like folks in higher weight bodies have higher risk for diabetes or heart disease or, you know, all-cause mortality or any kind of reason for being in a state of, of negative health outcomes. So the weight research typically either directly states or indirectly implies that the cause for the increased risk of negative health outcomes is the weight in and of itself. When in reality, the research shows that being higher weight is associated with negative health outcomes, but not necessarily caused by the weight itself. In order to prove that the weight itself is causing the negative health outcomes, the research would have to control for all other factors that could be impacting health outcomes. And of course, these studies rarely, if ever, control for the numerous factors that typically come with the experience of being fat in our weight stigmatizing society. So what we're going to do in this episode is break down some of the factors that could be contributing to the negative health outcomes for folks in larger bodies that are not a product of the weight itself, but again, a product of things that come with the experience of living in a larger body in our society. Okay, so the first and most prominent factor that is explaining why folks in larger bodies are being researched as having worse health outcomes 
is this concept of weight stigma. So weight stigma sometimes is also called weight bias or fat phobia, which just like a little pause here, the term fat phobia, I learned this from Aubrey Gordon, who is a fat activist. Um, She wrote this book called I think it's you just need to lose weight and 19 other lies. Maybe it's a different number of lies, but it's it's if you look up Bobby Gordon, it's one of her books. She talks about how fat phobia is actually not an appropriate term, which is fascinating. I only just learned this from reading her book a few months ago because discriminatory attitudes are not a mental illness. A phobia is defined by a fear of, you know, whatever it is, a fear of heights, a fear of being in tight spaces, whatever the thing is. And the reason why the term fat phobia is actually not appropriate is because, as I said, discriminatory attitudes are not a mental illness. I just found this to be an interesting tidbit and a powerful one that I only just learned about. So I wanted to add that in here. So going back to to the definition of weight stigma, sometimes you'll hear it called weight bias or fat phobia. All of these terms are referring to the systemic mistreatment, discrimination, and negative attitudes towards folks in larger body or towards folks who are fat. Again, saying the word fat in this reclaimed way. So how can weight stigma actually harm someone's health? Like, How can weight stigma be the thing that is contributing to negative health outcomes? So weight stigma causes a person to feel chronically shamed by society for their body size. And being in this state of chronic shame leads to chronic stress. And being in a state of chronic stress leads to various negative health outcomes, such as heart disease and other chronic illnesses. This is due to physiological dysfunction that results from, again, being in that chronic stress response state. So things like heart disease and chronic illnesses, like diabetes, these kind of things can be a result of the stress, the underlying chronic stress caused by the weight stigma, as opposed to being the result of actually holding X amount of weight or having a certain BMI. Weight stigma can show up in so many places. Weight stigma can can become activated when, you know, a person is walking on the street and somebody looks at them in a certain way, looks their body up and down. Weight stigma can manifest when a person is going to a store and trying to find clothes and there aren't any clothes in their size because the world is discriminating against folks in certain body sizes. That can cause shame and 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 stigma, which again can lead to that associated stress response state. Weight stigma can be experienced when a person in a larger body is participating in physical activity and they are receiving looks from people of like, you know, judgment based on just based on even showing up to a space like a gym or a group workout class. Weight stigma is unfortunately everywhere. And again, being in this this state chronically, you know, feeling like around every corner your body is judged. And and when you are checking out in the grocery store, you see you're you're like assaulted with magazine covers of folks in smaller bodies and ads essentially shaming the body that you live in and you're you're seeing targeted ads on social media and you're hearing things on the radio and you're seeing things on TV and and people in your world are talking about weight loss wherever you go if you are witnessing and experiencing people shaming larger bodies and you live in a larger body that leads to this chronic stress response state because it leads to this feeling of like i my body is wrong i should feel shame for living in this body. And again, this chronic stress 
leads to negative health outcomes that have previously been chalked up to being a certain weight. There's so much more I can say on weight stigma, but I'm going to try to, I'm trying to keep this episode to be more of like a brief because our, our last episode was much longer. And also I want this to be kind of like boom, 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 inf- informational. Okay. So second factor that can be contributing to negative health outcomes for folks in larger bodies that is not the weight itself is weight cycling. Weight cycling is defined by losing and regaining weight over and over and over again. Most people in larger bodies have tried to lose weight only to gain it all back, which isn't a matter of discipline, but it's a matter of having a normal response to restriction. Weight cycling has been well-researched to be an independent risk factor for various chronic illnesses, such as diabetes, heart disease, and other chronic illnesses. So again, the weight cycling in and of itself is harmful for health. However, folks in larger bodies have been told that it's the weight itself, it's the weight on their body that is causing these negative health outcomes, when in reality, these studies are not controlling for weight cycling. And again, having a history of weight cycling is nearly inseparable from being in a larger body because going back to the last point that we were speaking on weight stigma, because weight stigma is so strong, both in the medical community and just societally, culturally, most often folks in larger bodies have tried to lose weight. And because of the nature of you know pursuing intentional weight loss, it doesn't last. And then they regain and then they lose and then they regain. And this this process of losing and regaining does damage on the heart. It does damage on your body's insulin response and does damage overall on your health. So weight cycling is another major factor that is contributing to negative health outcomes for folks in larger bodies versus, you know, again, what it's been chalked up to be the weight itself contributing to these negative health outcomes. There can be so much grief when it comes to weight cycling because if you have been trying to pursue intentional weight loss and had your weight go up and down and up and down, and now you're dealing with something like diabetes or heart disease or a or different chronic illness that is um, has been you know connected to weight cycling. I just want to hold for a second that like it can feel really shitty to think that like doctors who were well-meaning told you to pursue intentional weight loss and pursuing intentional weight loss led you down a path of weight cycling and weight cycling led you to you know another undesirable health outcome. It can be really hard to hold that and and there can be anger that comes up at the medical system or at yourself for not you know, knowing better and, and all these pieces. And I just want to like kind of take a moment to, to hold space for and validate that it's a really normal reaction. And it's it's absolutely valid to feel a sense of anger for the, the harm that weight cycling does. And also not to mention that losing and ga- regaining, losing and regaining, every time you go through that process, your body really thinks, oh my God, we had a period of starvation from a place of trying to protect ourselves. We need to slow down metabolism to conserve fuel because your body thinks, oh my God, when we lost weight, we were our, our survival was being threatened because your body perceives intentional weight loss as a threat to its survival. And your body is very smart. It's wired to protect you and to survive. So what can happen is your metabolism slows down and you end up when you regain weight, you you can end up regaining even more than you lost because you have now your body saying, 
your, your, your metabolism is slowed because again, your body's trying to protect you. And every time you go through this process, it, it, it can be pretty normal to end up regaining more than you initially lost. And again, this is your body trying to protect you. That's just a little bit of a kind of side note on weight cycling and, and how and why it functions. The third piece that can be contributing to negative health outcomes for folks in larger bodies that is not a matter of the actual weight on their body is medical weight stigma. Unfortunately, many medical practitioners have historically been some of the main perpetrators of weight stigma. I want to make a caveat here and say this is not the case for all doctors. Some doctors are, are you know, up to date on health at every size and eating disorder informed care and anti-diet and all these pieces. Um, but unfortunately, it's still the case that many providers are not. So how can medical weight stigma become harmful to someone's health? Well, when we feel shame from our doctors because of our body size, we are less likely to seek out medical care. And this makes sense. Like, of course, who wants to go to a place where you know you'll be berated and shamed, whether that's, you know, being berated and shamed for your BMI or your weight or the amount of exercise that you do or don't do or the foods that you eat or any number of things. I actually like just had a physical this morning and they asked how much I, I exercise which you know, I guess can be valid and important information in some sense, but I don't know. Even even just that question, I was just thinking about my clients and the people um, actively trying to recover from disordered eating and how activating a question like that can be, because um, it can feel like they're about to shame you if you don't say the right amount or or you know the right frequency of exercising. Um, so medical weight stigma. Can can feel really intense, and yeah, I I hold thin privilege, and I still have feel I've experienced medical weight stigma, um, and so I just I just add that in here to say, doctors hold a lot of power in our society, and there can be real um, like sort of fear that comes with that power, and and feeling like you're you're not doing something right, or you're going to be in trouble, or they're going to be upset at you. These these feelings can actually lead a person to not seek out medical care. And of course, avoiding medical care can result in the onset of otherwise preventable disease states and worse worse health outcomes in general. So when we look at why do people in larger bodies have worse health outcomes, well, many people in larger bodies are not seeking out medical care, or if they are, they're not doing it in a timely manner because, you know, reasonably they feel fear and shame around going to the doctor. And so this is just a really clear example of how medical weight stigma can lead to worse health outcomes. Again, it's not the person's weight in and of itself. The experience of medical weight stigma can manifest in such a way that causes someone to avoid the doctor. And this can can lead to the progression of you know, a disease state getting to a point where it could have been otherwise preventable, or it could lead to being in, in a fatal situation based on you not having that preventative care. Medical weight stigma manifests in in other ways as well. Medical weight stigma can lead to a person in a larger body not getting the same quality of care as a person who holds thin privilege. For example, like when a person in a larger body is told to just lose weight in response to any illness, they aren't getting access to the same quality of treatment options as people with thin privilege. So for example, say a person... Um, in a larger body went to the doctor and said that they were experiencing knee pain. 
the doctor might jump right to, well, it's because of your weight. You need to lose weight. When if a smaller person was experiencing knee pain, they would be given other interventions such as potentially physical therapy or medications, um, injections in some cases, steroid injections, these kind of things. So what then can happen is um, the person in a larger body, because they're just told to lose weight, which as we know is unethical medical advice because intentional weight loss has been well-researched to not be sustainable, what then happens is uh, that of course that person gets sent down a path of ultimately weight cycling, and it, what's also happening is their knee pain could be getting worse and worse and worse because they didn't actually get an ethical treatment option such as you know physical therapy or um, or medication etc. and and then they can be in a position where they're they're again just like with with not seeking out preventative medical care they can end up in a position where their knee pain is is much worse and much more critical because they didn't get access to the same options that a person in a thin body had access to a little note on this one so if you reside in a larger body and you you feel frustrated by a doctor suggesting weight loss to any number of, of issues you could have. Um, I work with clients with sleep apnea who are told it's because of your weight, you need to lose weight. And let me tell you, I, I work with clients in thin bodies who have sleep apnea and I work with clients in larger bodies who have sleep apnea. And there are plenty of folks in, in thin bodies who have sleep apnea, which tells us that it is not the weight itself. So um, if, for example, you got recommended weight loss for... Um, a certain issue, a line that you can say to your medical practitioner that can be um, a way to really encourage them to check their own weight stigma is you can say something like, um, you know, I, I've pursued intentional weight loss before. It's never been sustainable for me. I'm wondering what other options are available. Um, or you could say something like, what would you what options would you offer a person who was in a smaller body if they had this exact same issue? that can really encourage the medical practitioner to check their own weight stigma and offer you the same quality of care and intervention options as they would someone in a larger body. And just to add another note here on um, just how harmful and, and deadly medical weight stigma can be, I want to share something that I learned from my training to become a certified intuitive eating counselor. So when we were were learning about weight stigma, Evelyn, who is the co-author of Intuitive Eating, who I did my training with, she um, she showed us this TikTok video of a woman who was sharing about her experience of medical weight stigma, her lived experience. And essentially she had really bad stomach pain and she like wasn't able to eat. She went to the, to the GI doctor and explained, you know, what was going on. And this was a person living in a larger body. And the doctor's response to her was, you know, when she said, it's so bad, my stomach hurt, this pain is so bad, I, I haven't been able to eat. And the doctor essentially said to her, well, maybe that's not, not such a bad thing because she was in a larger body and this doctor was suggesting that her not being able to eat was maybe not such a bad thing because it would mean that she would lose weight. And she rightfully so was so taken back by this this comment and the complete dismissal of her experience and her pain. And, um, you know, she was essentially just sent away and told that's not such a bad thing. Like you need to lose weight. And 
she she shared her experience on TikTok and was encouraged to get a second opinion because um, it just wasn't going away and the stomach pain was so severe. And she got a second opinion and found out that she had cancer and it had progressed, you know, to a, a, a severe state. I mean, of course, cancer can, can be severe regardless, but I, I don't remember the exact details and exactly what stage it was at at the time that they found it, but I'm pretty sure it was colon cancer and it had progressed, um, or maybe it was stomach cancer and it had progressed um, further along from the time that she had first started having the pain. So all of this is to say, I mean, thank God this person got a second opinion from a doctor who did not have weight stigma, or at least not overt weight stigma, and actually did a full workup on her. But what is too often the case is that a person in a larger body who who doesn't is not empowered to advocate for themselves, or for whatever reason can't doesn't have access to a second opinion. This could result in in a fatal situation for a person in a larger body on the basis of the doctor's medical weight stigma and the doctor's you know, preconceived ideas about their body size and really what that could lead to of, of ultimately causing the doctor to not even do a full workup and screen for everything just because they are judging the person based on their body size and making assumptions based on their body size. So as you can see, medical weight stigma is another major piece and is contributing to folks in larger bodies having worse health outcomes. Again, it's not a matter of the weight on their body. It's a matter of what is happening because of the society that we live in, the way that our society treats folks in larger bodies, which spans the way that the medical community treats folks in larger bodies. So in summary, the current body of research has uncovered that body fat in and of itself is not the cause of negative health outcomes. Rather, as we just went through, it's the various factors that come with being fat in a weight stigmatizing society, such as weight stigma, weight cycling, and poor medical care resulting from medical weight stigma. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Okay, but how do we know that the research showing that weight stigma and weight cycling and uh, medical weight stigma and all these pieces, how do we know that we can trust that research if we're not able to trust the diet culture research, the the weight research, the weight normative research? This is a question that's come up a lot lately um, with some clients and just people in the, in my community, and it's a valid question. And so there's a few pieces to, to mention here. The studies being done that are trying to to prove that, you know, being higher weight leads to worse health outcomes, the, the, the weight normative, we call that kind of realm weight normative research, very often has some sort of agenda or ulterior motives. Um, oftentimes there is funding coming from some organization that has stake in showing that, you know, quote unquote, obesity is a disease, that being higher weight is harmful. These span anything from like diet companies to weight loss drug companies, um, which if you listen to last week's episode that involved Ozempic, it's, you know, unfortunately weight loss companies, weight loss like, um, medication companies are making a big comeback right now. And I say, unfortunately, because of the real harms that they're doing. Um, And I invite you to listen to last week's episode if you want to learn more on that. So that's one thing. Oftentimes, the weight normative research is riddled with kind of 
suspicious behavior going on. And this really comes down to to how much money is in the um, weight loss industry, the diet industry, even the wellness industry. So they have the kind of money to be like funding these studies, which of course can skew the research. And, uh, you know, that's just that creates bias that is known to be not scientifically sound. However, it's going on anyway. A lot of these weight normative studies don't have a long follow-up time and they're also not controlling for controlling for confounding variables. So things like weight stigma, weight cycling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whereas the more intuitive eating health at every size research is either addressing co-founding variables or they are actually controlling for them, which is better scientific form. Um, so those are just some pieces, but at the end of the day, an idea that I've been really feeling connected to and, and I want to share with you here is that, you know, there could still be things going on in the anti-diet research that, you know, there could still be holes in that research. That research could still not be perfectly scientifically sound. It's very difficult to do research on human beings because we cannot keep them in a lab and control all parts of their environment. But research is just one way of knowing. So what this means is that there are other ways of knowing things about pursuits of intentional weight loss and weight stigma. There are other ways of knowing. And another major way of knowing is by reflecting on your own lived experience and the lived experiences of folks around you and, and, and people close to you. So when we say that like a person can be healthy at every size, it's not the weight itself leading to negative health outcomes. It's the experience of weight stigma and and weight cycling, all these things. I want you to think of, um, if if you're a person in a larger body, you can think of your own experience here. If you've attempted intentional weight loss over time, like where has that led you? If you've faced weight cycling or weight stigma, what has that meant for your life? And if you're not a person who lives in a larger body, thinking about loved ones or even thinking about your own story. So I don't live in a larger body. However, I have tried to pursue intentional weight loss and it's only ever resulted in me, you know, ending up gaining weight. Um, so I can, I think about that when, when thinking about, when reflecting on my own lived experience here. And so overall, remember that research is just one way of knowing and your own reflecting on your own lived experience and the lived experiences of others is another powerful way of knowing. So we don't need some sort of research to prove that weight stigma is harmful. Even though we have that research, we can talk to and listen to folks who have experienced firsthand the harms of weight stigma and know that it's harmful. Like, Of course, it would be nice to have everything like perfectly backed up with studies, However, listening to people's stories is another powerful way of knowing. With that being said, if you are more research-minded and you want to look into some of the research on health at every size, the harms of weight stigma, all of these pieces, then I invite you to head to the show notes and there will be a link to download a research guide that I've curated that has a ton of research on health at every size, weight stigma, weight cycling, all of these pieces, um, you know, the weight normative approach to care, uh, the weight normative approach to health, as opposed to the weight centric approach to health, all of these pieces. So I invite you to head to the show notes and click the link to, um, you know, you'll put in your email and you'll get sent this PDF. This is like an incredibly valuable resource. I previously, this was only available to the folks enrolled in my course, my online course. Um, but recently I decided that it would be really supportive to offer as a free resource. So I'm so excited to be offering that to you. 
speaking of online course, if you listen to this episode and your mind was like totally expand, expanded and you were like, I, like this is all new to you and you're just learning about the harms of weight stigma and the concept of health at every size and, and all of these pieces and you're wanting a much deeper dive on all of this, on, on you know, health at every size, intuitive eating, healing your relationship with food and body from the root, then I am so excited to share with you that you can enroll in my online course, which is called The Return, because it's about returning to your body's innate power and wisdom. And you can head to the link in the show notes to literally enroll right now. Like you can sign up right now and have access to my entire process, A to Z, including over 80 video modules so that you can literally dive in right now on healing your relationship with food and body. The return, I can't even believe the value that's contained inside this course. It's truly everything that I wish I had when I was working on healing my own relationship with food and body. It has all of the worksheets, all of the information, everything that you need to be able to walk through this process seamlessly. I know it can feel so hard when you're like hodgepodging and intuitive eating education from, you know, books and podcasts and Instagram pages. This is your A to Z proven method to healing your relationship with food and body. This is the exact method that I've been using with one-to-one clients for years now. It's just packaged up in this video module format. So you can do it on your own timeline. You can go through the material with privacy and you still get a once a month Q&A call with me for the first six months after you join the course so that you can get your questions answered and so that you can learn how to apply the material to your unique life situation as you're as you're going through it. So again, the link for the return is in the show notes and also the link for the research that um, is is kind of corresponding to the, the pieces I shared with you here today is also going to be in the show notes. That's it for today. It's a short episode. It's like very hard for me to keep things short. I love to chat, obviously. And as a reminder, there will not be an episode in two weeks from now because I'll be on a hike. There will be an episode towards the end of July sometime. Thank you for being here. If you are getting value from this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave us a rating or review in the um, on Apple Podcasts, ideally, or on Spotify. You can just leave a rating with the stars. Ratings and reviews really help the podcast to reach more people. So that would mean the world if you have a spare moment. Okay, I hope you have a good rest of July and I'll see you next time.